Hey everyone, thank you again for checking in on a new episode for Queer Clouders and Allies. We have a special guest here with us. Um, we're excited to introduce her. Uh, this is Elton, one of the co-hosts of this uh, podcast. We've got Clem here. Hey. And Clem, why don't we just kick it off and just introduce this amazing guest of ours today. Well, I'm really excited to introduce you to Leanne Pittsford. Um, I became acquainted with her by going to some of her Lesbian Who Tech events, and I'm really thrilled to have her here in the office. So Leanne is an entrepreneur, investor, and a risk taker. She's the CEO and founder of Lesbians Who Tech, which is a community of queer women in and around tech, and of Social Good Tech Week. Previously, Leanne founded and led Start Somewhere, a design and technology consulting firm. She was also the senior director at Equality California, which is the largest statewide LGBTQ organization in the U.S., and she worked on the number on the Prop 8 campaign. She's an investor in several technology startups, and she splits her time between San Francisco, New York, D.C., and Berlin. Leanne, I don't know if you want to say any words. I'm going to pretty much covered it. Uh, my favorite color is green. Awesome. Um, and I have two dachshunds. So. Your favorite dinosaur? Yeah. <laughs> uh, the raptor, no questions. Awesome. Raptor all the way. Team raptor. It's actually one of my favorite animals, period. Yeah. Just, good question. Putting it out there. Yeah, love raptors. So for those of you that are just tuning in for the first time, uh, what we've been doing is uh, we've crowdsourced some questions, and we've uh, folded them up and thrown them in a fishbowl. And uh, when we bring our guests in, we have them draw the questions out of the fishbowl at random. So uh, that's how we're going to start with Leanne today. So if it's all right with you, I think we're going to dive in. And Leanne, before we start, did you have any questions, concerns? Are you scared? Are you okay? <laughs> Feelings? I feel like, I feel like Take feeling Take a deep good. breath. Like, you know, <laughs> drink ready. some coconut water. I mean, I'm hoping I'm just like having a little bit of like Hunger Games PTSD okay. right now. <laughs> it's, I'm like, oh, the bowl. <laughs> are we going to just... Um, do I draw first? You draw yeah. first? Um, why don't you go ahead and draw first? All right. First. Let's dive in. Let's go with the blue one. It's a good use of sticky notes. <laughs> So the question is, are there any inspiring women in tech that you would like our listener, listeners to know about? It's a great question. So many. I mean, so I'll focus on, you know, some of the women um, in my community. Um, a woman I just had uh, lunch with today, her name is Dom, and she is a programmer at Twilio. She's someone uh, that I actually met in a networking event. You know, you always talk about the value of all of these networking events. We're all so busy. Mm-hmm. And how do you value your time? And, you know, it's hard to go to something after work when you're tired. And um, so sometimes I think about the events where I met specific people, and I actually met her at, like, an ed tech at General Assembly, like, um, I really try once in a while to still kind of go to those things that, like, I just, you know, are hard to squeeze in now. Um, and she w- was a speaker in New York. Um, we, she sort of, you know, plugged into so many things, and she has such a great story. And she's a queer woman of color, um, and it's just so amazing to sort of see someone like her get plugged into our community, but also her story um, out there. She does a cool talk about how um, sort of becoming a programmer is like she had to go through this process of kind of like the seven steps of grieving, um, which I think we're all kind of, you know, it's like shock, denial, anger. And that's she had like the seven stages of um understanding programmer culture and like what it was like to go go from you know being a programmer and like what that meant and really getting that so she's actually going to talk again in san francisco at the summit um in february 2015 um so i'm really excited about that i mean obviously another one that i'm really inspired by is um someone named megan smith who she runs google x and she's actually up for i think she's going to maybe be the next cto for obama wow um so that just it's it's a rumor right now i mean there was some press about it um but i i my gut feeling is i think it's going to happen which would be so cool that's an amazing opportunity and 
you know, just putting really diversity out there in this whole field of technology, which is something that is, you know, talk about hot topics, something that, mm-hmm. you know, is a concern for a lot of people. Yeah, in the LGBT of course. Community, so that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, to see someone, I had dinner actually, uh, past weekend and it was sort of you know is this a good thing for her would that like was this like what does this mean and um you know obviously obama is in a second term he doesn't have you know that much time left and you know my sort of point was um you know we talk a lot in lesbians tech we talk a lot about elevating women and and stories of you know queer women who are doing incredible things and and making them more mainstream because that's you know for us sort of for in terms of equality especially gender equality um, women are really great at doing the work, but, you know, not always great at telling their story and taking the time, but that's where the real, um, one of the ways real impact can happen, right? So other people can know about you, they see themselves in you, mm-hmm. and I think having someone like Megan Smith, who's a queer woman, who's done such great things at Google, and she's really, I mean, she's been an LGBTQ um, supporter, donor, leader for, you know, two decades, mm-hmm. so she's done so many things. So to have someone like her at that level, I think will just be so incredible for you know, so many queer people and queer women everywhere. Awesome. Was there ever, was there like one person that just really inspired, you know, um, where you are now, like, you know, to be, to be the founder of Lesbian Zoo Tech? I mean, you know, you talk to a lot of people that really just, there's that one person that really just drove you to this point where I'm going to make this happen. This is what the community means to me, you know? Yeah, I mean, my story, my journey is, I, there wasn't, like, one person that sort of, like, triggered me. I mean, I definitely have several people that did so much. I mean, one that comes to mind is Kate Kendall, the executive director of the National Center for Lesbian Rights. I mean, just the National Center for Lesbian Rights is, is an organization that, you know, I've been involved with since I was, you know, earlier on in my gay experience. And um, you're going through something like uh, No One Prop 8 with them, you know, learning so much about what it means to be part of the community, what it means to have a real leader. I mean, you, you watch Kate and she's so inspiring. I've never, I don't know that I've seen a better public speaker. I mean, she can just like get a crowd riled up in a way that I've never seen before in person at least. Um, and she's just so smart, so powerful. Um, and really, I think that was the first example where I saw what it meant to have a woman led organization. I mean, that's the, 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 the key part of that, um, you know, really mentorship for me is that it just makes all the difference in the world to have, you know, an organization that is focused on women, focused on lesbians run by a woman and how that sort of like transcends into real action and, and real empowerment for everyone. Yeah. Um, so that was, you know, definitely something that's been inspiring, but there, you know, many other, you know, care swishers, actually another one I've sort of followed her career, Megan and Kara were a couple. And, um, for me as like a young gay, they were like, you know, there's not that many role models of, of lesbian couples to sort of aspire to. And it's something we talk a lot about, um, and they were sort of my first, you know, that like power lesbian couple. And, um, it's funny, Megan is like, you know, so amazing. And, and Kara is sort of, you know, she's a journalist and that, that, that leads to a whole different other things. And, you know, she's uh, from the East coast and a little more <laughs> sharp, uh, I would say, but I actually really respect her. You know, she's so direct. She's so honest. She cares so much about her job. She emails you back. Right. <laughs> oh, that's, you know, I mean, that is like one of my favorite things. Like she, yes. that is really, it's hard, right? We, we all get busy. Email is crazy. I'm not, uh, my inbox zero game is not doing so well right now, <laughs> but, um, I really appreciate people like cares for sure. Yeah. Cool. That's awesome. Well, you know, there's a lot of amazing people in our community and it's just wonderful to get to know them and learn about them. Mm-hmm. Um, just because obviously we're in this position to kind of share what we're trying to share with this community, especially in, in tech. And I'm excited. I'm excited to learn more about, you know, you and everyone else that inspires you. 
Totally. And what's cool about this is that we're finding the stories that, you know, they're not, you know, on the speaker circuit or, mm-hmm. you know, and that's what um, was cool about the summit. It'll be cool about this summit is that there's stories that, you know, actually my um, friend is one of the co-founders at Indiegogo and she didn't know about Megan Smith. And mm-hmm. so she actually spoke at um, Lesbians Tech and then heard Megan Smith and she was like, oh my God, how is it possible that I didn't know about this person? You know, to, you know, they're looking for more advisors and people on the company and definitely from a diversity standpoint. And, you know, Megan Smith is in a lot of ways better um, positioned to, you know, support their work than, you know, like a Sheryl Sandberg or someone, right? Yeah. But it's not, but because like Sheryl Sandberg is so mainstream, it's harder to find those stories um, in an easy way. And we have to do a better job of, um, you know, making those people more famous. I mean, obviously your schedule must be um, pretty hectic, but I mean, do you find any time to mentor people, like, I mean, mentor, like, up-and-coming queers that are trying to get into tech, I mean, do you, um, do you, like, is mentorship, like, a big part of your life? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, I totally believe in mentorship. I, I've, I've ran mentorship programs. Um, I've, you know, been a mentor one-off and and definitely, um, need to get a better job of actually getting more mentors for me because I tend not to focus on that as much, um, but I think, you know, I think the thing about mentorship, it's kind of like therapy. You have to have like, I call it like a therapy crush on your, on your therapist or friend crush on your therapist, right? <laughs> like you had, there has to be like some connection. Like you're not going to go to therapy. You're not going to make time for therapy every week unless you really have a connection with your therapist. And I think it's the same thing with mentorship. You really have to have a connection that goes beyond just on paper. You're meant to like, you look, you work look like you should work together, right? Like, oh, you want to be a journalist, go have, you know, care social surgery. But you have to have a connection that's deeper um, than just your profession. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, when people are busy, it's just, it's really hard to prioritize mentorship. I've course, seen, yeah. you know, in the programs that I've run, people are like, I want to mentor, I want to mentor. And then they have a mentor and then they don't yeah. make the time to, to spend with them. Um, on, right. So I think it's interesting. Actually, one of the things we're thinking about doing um, is more of a day in the life mentorship program mm-hmm. for lesbians who tech. Um, it's one of the ideas that we might sort of announce at the summit after we do a little more research with our members um, to see if they really want it. But basically, you know, the idea would be to get any type of, you know, senior people, experienced people as part of the program where they commit to at least one day where someone can shadow them in their job. And we make sure to pick a day that was meaningful and important. But I think the idea is that on the mentor side, you know, they're so busy. And when I ran the program, it literally t- I had to like manage their time with their assistants and all of these oh, yeah. things. And so if we could just commit to one day, make it easy on them. And then, you know, for the mentee, it would just be so great to get access to things without having to like commit. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, so many times we think about switching careers or, yep. you know, you're just interested in something. And if you can just get like a little window into the world, that's when you really kind of get a feel for like what it would be, what the next steps would be. You know, if you want to be a programmer, you know, you spend one day with a program and you're like, okay, like this is what the everyday looks like. Mm-hmm. What are, what are the things that you did, you know, to get where you are, then you can, you know, start taking the class or, you know, do whatever you kind of need to start that process. And if you guys connect, if the two people connect, then they can keep going on their own. Yeah. It's a great yeah. idea. It's even like richer than an informational interview. Exactly. Nice. Exactly. Really cool. Well, I guess I might go ahead yeah. and draw a question. The famous All right. So the question is, what are some of um, your professional accomplishments that you're most proud of? I mean, that's a no-brainer. I mean, Lesbians Who Tech, this first summit in San Francisco is probably the best professional day of my life. When was that? Um, February 27th, 2014. Cool. Um, 
you know, we had over 800 queer women and the people who love them. So allies, friends, supporters in the room. And I've been a part of so many LGBTQ related um, events, communities, and I've just never seen that many women in one space um, besides Dinosaur or <laughs> something more related to drinking, yeah. uh, which is totally fine. I support Dinosaur is great. Um, it's something every lesbian should see once in their life. Um, but it was just great to have, you know, such a professional related event. And, you know, I've been in the Bay Area for 12 years now. And, you know, I've, the people that come to our events I've never seen before. And yeah. I go to so many gay things, too many gay things. And um, it's just so nice to see new faces. Um, it's so nice to talk to people. They're getting real value. They're able to connect in a way they've never been able to connect to the LGBT community um, because for the first time they feel comfortable sort of bringing their identity and their profession to the table, right? Mm -hmm. So, you know, where maybe like a fundraiser for an LGBT nonprofit wouldn't be as appealing because they just, they don't want to focus on their, their gay identity like as much, right? But like allowing it to be both their profession and their personal identity allows them an entry point that's just different and new. Um, and they really like it. So, I mean, it was just, and to see that many, um, you know, queer women and allies on stage, um, you know, giving such like powerful talks. I mean, you kind of put this event together and you, you have a vision, but you've no idea how it's going to really turn yeah. out and to see it live, um, and better than I ever could have imagined it. It was just, you know, incredible. Yeah. And I was reading about it and you have a, an, a great number of speakers. I mean, mm-hmm. you know, was, and I know that at events like that, you know, each speaker is going to offer something amazing to share. So there's usually not that one that's going to offer the the one talk. But right. was there one person that you were just like, wow, they just really kind of was a cherry on top of the event, you know? I mean, yeah, what was so... And you had a group. Uh, yeah, I mean, you sort of start and you get, like, one speaker and you're, mm-hmm. people are like, how did you do speakers? And I was like, well, it was like a chess game, right? I mean, it's just sort of you make a move and, and you get one person in the door committed and... And, you know, especially when you're talking about tech, right, it's so broad. I mean, there's so many different technical talks. You have design, you have programming, you have back end, you have front end, you have more database stuff. Um, you know, you have the creative side, mm-hmm. um, you have the community part of tech and, and there's just so many components. And so when you're talking about, okay, we're going to have a lesbian to tech summit, like where's the focus going to be? Mm. Um, and so, you know, I made a very conscious decision to do more TED style talks, yeah. um, and, and leave, you know, a lot of room for networking because I knew that was really important to people, but that, um, you know, trying to find a way to inspire everyone and to find different types of tech that related to different people. So, you know, Danielle Feinberg, who um, is the director of lighting at Pixar, you know, that was kind of my more creative talk of the day. And all of the designers, anyone that was in the creative space, just like love that talk. I had a little tech. I mean, you know, what they do is actually very technical. Um, but, you know, the creative people, when you're talking about um, Pixar movies, were just like, oh, my God. And they saw themselves in her. Um, Karanda was another um, talk that was incredible. She did an Indiegogo campaign to raise money to come to the summit, so mm-hmm. to sort of pay for her travel. Um, and she's a queer woman of color in Portland. And um, cool. she did programming as, like, a career switch. Mm-hmm. And so, which I think also is just... And she, she didn't even have slides, which I get really nervous about for, like, first-time speakers that I haven't seen. Sure. Um, you know, and, like, it's, the thing that about TED Cell Talks that's different than panels is that people really prepare. Mm-hmm. That's very thoughtful, and I really appreciate that. And I tend to think they do better um, generally. Uh, so when she had no slides, I was just like, okay, like, hope this uh, goes well. But she was hilarious, funny. People really 
resonated with her. But there, you know, I mean, Megan Smith is was probably and uh, Kara Swisher are the two biggest names. Mm-hmm. Um, so people obviously really loved that. But everyone related to a different talk. Yeah. Um, and we and we tried to cross generations. You know, we had um, Erica Anderson from Twitter who has a really cool story, and you know, sort of her generation is really the um, you know that's when Twitter became a big deal. Like mm-hmm. you know, she kind of grew up in this world where social media all, all of a sudden became a thing that people found, you know, joked, like, like, oh, social media, like, let's have an intern do that, to now that's something that's really credible and people spend real budgets on this stuff. Um, So I think that was the, I mean, for me, like, I just, I love Kara Swisher's humor. Like, that was my favorite. I just, she could not really do anything, just talk on stage, and I would probably, (laughs) her TED Talk is actually really great if you guys um, need a TED Talk to listen to, Google Kara Swisher TED, um, and it's sort of, her talk sort of is a really interesting personal story, but talks about, you know, everyone, when something bad happens to you, people are like, take a break. Mm. And she's like, you know what? That's not me. Like, I don't want to take a break. Like what happened to me makes me want to do more. It actually, yeah. everyone's like, slow down, Carrie. You like work too much. You know, she responds to emails of people she doesn't even know. Um, so, you know, God knows how much work she's actually doing uh, for other things. So it's just really interesting story. But yeah, there was kind of something for everyone, which was <laughs> no idea and I tried to do that, but sure. you, know, you kind of don't know how it's going to shake out. And when you're hosting, you know, large-scale events and mixers, like, as you do, I mean, how do you, like, naturally create safe space? I mean, do you guys have any kind of, like, community guidelines in place? I just started on the trust and safety team, so I, like, I think about that stuff. I mean, how do you yeah. make people feel safe and, and welcome? It's something I've been thinking a lot more about. We had guidelines for a hackathon because mm. it was so interactive and... Um, definitely found that to be important for people because people have such different um, wants when they're going into that. So it's good to define kind of the goals and, and sort of guidelines about how they're going to operate. And I think that does do a great job of creating a safe space. Um, we're going to spend some more time doing that, I think, for the summit. I mean, I think naturally we just, I think the people that are attracted to this, you know, tend to be, um, you know, very respectful, very considerate. I mean, I think a lot of people, um, you know, were worried, especially if you didn't identify as a lesbian, if you were sort of more queer or genderqueer or, you know, gender neutral, like all of these things, you're sort of worried about this feeling not accepted, right? Mm-hmm. If you're a bisexual woman coming to our event, were you going to feel included? Um, and I think everyone that, you know, at least uh, wrote me um, or wrote people who knew me, um, you know, said they were pleasantly surprised. A lot of people were not expecting to be so not kind of... Um, you know, not only accepted, but for it to not be a sort of issue that everyone was really open and had really like interesting dialogues. Not that you couldn't talk about it, but that people were talking about it in a way that was comfortable mm-hmm. um, and just like another thing to connect on rather than like a oh you're like too gender queer and I'm mm-hmm. like super hardcore lesbian, so we're not going to be friends. Which I think can people feel that when they go to like gay bars, oh, right? Yeah. And yeah. so the fact that they didn't feel like that in the space, I think, was was really incredible. If they did, if I didn't get that feedback. Um, I think I would, you know, be even more concerned about like how we were going to grow. Of course. But I think that, um, since that was like such a big win the first year, I think we're just hopefully just going to grow upon that and we'll kind of see as we get even bigger if that becomes an issue later. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And your events have always like struck me as very safe. And like, I've noticed in just in the few I've gone to, I mean, like it never feels like there's anyone inappropriate stealing the microphone. It's like, you know, not always the case. It's it's, it's really very nice. Yeah. You've only been to San Francisco once? Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Um, 
<laughs> it's good. It's yeah. good. Um, yeah, no, I mean, we've kept the happy hours and the networking events so very minimal speaking. Yeah. You know, and we really want to focus on, like, high-quality speaking mm-hmm. when we have it at the summit. Mm-hmm. Um, after this year's summit, we probably will be doing more, you know, smaller programming throughout the year that has more of a speaking component or interactive component to it. Um, but it is, and, you know, there we're in... 15 different cities now so it is, I'm sure that people in different cities have different experiences and that's kind of one of the challenges is how do we um, create a real infrastructure I've been sort of yes 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 to everyone that you know someone emailed me in South Florida and they're like we want to start a chapter and yep. I email them the kind of guidelines and the how-to and, and then they either move forward or they don't yep. um, and so how know. many chapters are there now well we've had events in 15 different cities okay. You know, so, and it's really up to the city director to kind of decide, you know, the tone and how many. I have a bunch of guidelines and best practices, but it's actually one of the things we're working on cleaning up. We sort of grew really fast, really quickly, um, and we're up to 5,000 people now. Wow, so, awesome. and we've done three international events, so it's like global now. It's incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. Are we ready for your next ready. question? Ready. Your turn. Uh, let's see here. All right, Leanne. Can you share with our listeners some things you are currently working on or planning? I mean, we've kind of overlapped in this a little bit. What can I tell you that's new? Um, I told you the day in the life thing. I mean, some of the things we're thinking about are, you know, what are we about, right? We're this community. We're obviously bringing together people in a summit. I mean, I, we talked a little bit about this, but we really want to elevate um, the stories in our community. So something I'm going to work on probably in the next month is really collecting stories of, you know, um, from our community that have happened at our events or, you know, tangential to our events. So, um, I've heard, you know, anecdotally a lot of cool stories, but we haven't sort of written them down and shared them. So we're going to be doing a lot more blogging, like press outreach. Um, I'm really going to be looking at the community to, to share their stories with me. Um, so we can, you know, also learn what's worked and what hasn't. Um, we also, you know, want to look at doing things like raising money to send queer women to design school, to programming school. Mm-hmm. There's already so many um, great, um, you know, curriculums, whether they're online or offline, um, that exist. And some of them actually focus on women specifically already. Mm-hmm. So instead of recreating the wheel, we're probably going to um, hopefully next year raise money for to send at least subsidize Mm-hmm. Um, some of the tuition costs because you know they can be a lot for especially people that are switching careers. Um, they're not a lot when you think about how much money we spend on school, sure. um, but when we're thinking about switching careers, is you know it's you know definitely a commitment. Um, so we want to try to at least subsidize maybe some of that for a couple queer women who are interested. Um, but I know I just found out this. Um, I met someone not through Lesbians Who Tech. I was just having coffee. It was like friend of a friend, and she's like, "What do you do?" And I told her, and she's like, "Oh my god, like that's you." My friend went to the summit, and now she like is taking classes to learn how to code, and oh. she like wants to go. And she wasn't in a technical industry at all before the summit. So that's that's the type of story that that's you know amazing. really great if you just get a taste of something and can can feel like it's it's more accessible to you. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll tell you a little bit more about the summit because that's probably the biggest thing that I'm going to be working on. So we did a one-day event last year um, with some weekend events, and we're going to expand this year. It'll be February 26th and 7th, and then over that weekend, um, March 1st and 2nd, we'll be doing, you know, really sort of expanding the Castro Theater. I'm sure many of you have been there. Mm-hmm. Isn't uh, the most tech-savvy place to have a summit? <laughs> and it's definitely, I think we might, you know, we're definitely going to, like, test its capacity limits this year probably looking to more um, around 1,000 people for the summit, if not 1,100. We're going to do a, a half-day summit on Thursday um, that's more focused on LGBT, 
LGBTQ tech. Um, and, you know, our kind of thing is more about queer people who are doing really incredible things in technology. They just happen to be queer. I mean, we, we do have, you know, some nonprofits and, and partners and different things, but, you know, we really want there to be real, real role models, real examples, real stories of people that, you know, queer people can identify with. And, you know, we thought it was important this year to expand a little bit in the LGBTQ community. We obviously sit both on sort of gender side of, of the world mm-hmm. um, around, you know, quality issues in tech on the gender side, but then also the LGBTQ side. And so I think it's important to kind of expand a little bit um, and have, you know, more of the community show up. And I'm really hoping, you know, one of the things, but we, we still want to keep Friday, you know, a very um, women-centric space in terms of speakers. Anyone can come, um, but in terms of speakers and content, it's very gender-specific, um, focusing on women, queer women. Um, so I think Thursday will give us a nice chance to kind of expand some of the content, um, but also kind of keep Friday, you know, really special for everyone, mm-hmm. um, but get more, you know, people involved. And then we'll also be, throughout the cash show, we're going to do... Um, you know, different lounges. So hopefully we'll have like the gaming lounge, right? You know, we're really, tech is broad and we, and we do want to have something for everyone. Um, and then we're hoping to do more stunt, fun stuff over the weekend, like lesbians who bike and golf or play soccer or whatever, you know, people want. We're sort of, you know, we want to, people want to network and they want to do it in an interactive way. So we're always thinking about creative ways to do that. Sure. Are there any speakers that, um, you know, we can maybe look forward to or... Anyone that you, you want to like give us a heads up on? Yeah, let me see. <laughs> like, I better. I was like before. I just should jump out a name and make sure they're like really confirmed. Hillary Clinton. Yeah, I know. I'm like <laughs> that would be interesting, huh? Hillary Clinton. Um, let me see who is confirmed. Um, you can also pass. No, no. I have a couple. I just need to. Okay, so Angela. Um, who is the, she just started something called Trans Tech, and she is a trans woman of color, and um, I met her at the White House event we put on, and she's incredible, she lives in Chicago, and she's starting this whole platform, but one of the things that's um, challenging, I was like, I just want to make sure she did confirm, and she was like, in, she said yes, okay, Um, but one of the challenges for the trans community uh, is that, you know, there's a lot of um, issues when they actually show up, right, Mm -hmm. when people see them, and they are, you know, discriminated against, and so, and she comes from a tech background, she built her own, you know, digital agency, and so she's um, not only training trans people, um, but then also connecting them to jobs, right, so it's sort of, you know, um, a connector of sorts, like, they kind of come on the platform, she works on the, both the um, recruitment, and then also on the client side, finding, you know, jobs to be done by that community, um, that can all be done remotely, Right. So they don't have to go into an office if they don't want to. Yeah. You know, so I think that's a really interesting option um, for the trans community. And it's something that tech can, you know, really provide a lot of value for specifically. I mean, obviously, culturally, like we can't stop there. Um, you know, trans people should be able to go into the office exactly. and feel safe, you know, and um, be able to do whatever career they want. But I do, I think that having that as an option is really powerful and important. And just, you know, it's also, you know, I'm a big fan of working remotely and and what that means for people's freedom and flexibility and and all of that stuff. So if we can offer um, not only more technical skills to the trans community, but then actually connecting them with jobs that make them feel safer, I think that's really cool. So I'm excited for her to be there. I had never heard of her or her organization before the White House event. So, you know, she lives in Chicago. I think it's one of those things, like, people in different cities – um, don't get enough. Ex- it's hard to get exposure. Yeah. Um, actually, another one that I can talk about. There's this podcast since we're doing a podcast called Politini, um, and it's a married couple, uh, Aisha and Danielle Moody Mills. Um, they are amazing. They're some of my new favorite people that I met. They live in D.C. and it's like I met them and I was like, how do I not 
know you before, right? <laughs> it's just like, I mean, they've done so many. They're so involved in the LGBT community. They have this podcast. They're very political. They're one of the first um, couples married in D.C. And um, they, you know, talk about uh, current events, politics. They say, I think they say, like, Hollywood to Hollywood, which is, you know, political Hollywood. <laughs> just, just, so, you know, everyone, everyone in San Francisco is like, Hollywood? <laughs> And I'm like, you know, politics plus Hollywood. It's like a, anyway, so maybe they have to work on their tagline for the West Coast. But um, anyways, they are probably going to interview someone. So they do a really cool show. It's both of them. They have a lot of funny banter. um, But they're just, you know, incredible um, women and have done so much. So I'm excited to bring them to the West Coast too. So they're going to do a live podcast? Yeah, they're probably going to do a live podcast. Oh, that's so cool. Yeah. Awesome. That will be really cool. Yeah. (laughs) All right. So draw next question. Okay. Uh, what did your work with Equality California teach you? Oh, my God. So many things. <laughs> so many late nights. Um, first of all, Cheez-Its and apple juice and are not ways to sustain life. <laughs> um, you know, <laughs> that was, like, a really big lesson. I mean, when you work on a political campaign, for those of you that have worked on political campaigns, it was my first one. It was my only one. Um, it is a different lifestyle. And really, Equality California, it's a nonprofit, but it has a, a C3 arm, which is, you know, the nonprofit side, and then also has a C4 political arm. Um, they have... Uh, uh, PAC, which, you know, focuses on candidates. And then they were the biggest partner for the No and Prop 8 campaign. So really we were in charge of fundraising. Um, we went from a $5 million nonprofit to a $15 million nonprofit in like a matter of months. And we didn't really hire anyone new. So, you know, for me, who was running uh, the entire like database, uh, doing some of the online fundraising, doing a lot of operations and, and finance, it was sort of, um, we had to scale without a lot of resources because we didn't really know how much money we were going to raise. And mm-hmm. So I, I learned so many things there. Um, I had a really incredible team. So fun to work with such smart people. Um, and really because, you know, it's, it's, there's, my boss gave me a lot of uh, freedom to kind of do whatever I wanted. I mean, outside of my responsibilities, but it was a place where I got to sort of learn a little bit about fundraising, a little bit about online activities. Um, and it's really kind of where I decided to start my own, you know, design and technology firm because I sort of saw the power of technology. I um, built a wedding registry. Um, it's one of those things, you, uh, nonprofits, right? There's no resources and you have these ideas and people are like, I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. And I came up with this idea. I was like, we should, you know, have a wedding registry. And when people, when, when we got marriages in the courts, you know, there was this window where people could get married before we were uh, voting on, on marriages. So, so many people were getting married and, you know, most of the couples, they've been together for years, decades, right? So they don't need a new toaster. They don't need any of that stuff. I was like, what if we built a registry for these couples so that their friends and family can give to make sure they keep their marriage, to keep their marriage legal, mm-hmm. Um, and it was just one of those things that no one had the time to make it happen. And so it wasn't really my job uh, description to do that, but I decided to go and take that on on top of everything else. And um, I learned so much about how to kind of connect the front end to the back end. And it's really when I fell in love with technology um, in like a major way. Yeah. And um, I, we ended up raising $2 million wow. Um, wow. with over like 1,500 couples involved. Um, wow. And really we were able to reach allies and friends in a way we never would have otherwise mm-hmm. because everyone has to like give a present for what's like a cultural thing. You can't sure. like show up to a wedding and not give and you know who gave and who didn't. So, um, you know, people really stepped up. Obviously also, you know, it was a powerful thing for people to be a part of. But I think people who otherwise wouldn't have given to, to Prop 8, um, you know, 
gave, and that was just yeah. really cool to be a part of. Um, a lot of a lot of bridezillas and like, where's my Aunt Judy's donation? I'm like, <laughs> so Aunt Jude, Judy, she gave on the online site, not your wedding registry page. It's like a lot of that. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, geeky, geeky stuff there. We'll go too much into that, but it was um, a little PTSD still from that time period. Um, the other big thing that I want to share that I learned was really about uh, sort of economic power. So I, I managed our database, and um, I'm a data geek, and I love to track not only real data, but also anecdotal data and, and cultural data. And one of the things I noticed is that we just didn't have a lot of women donors, um, not a lot of lesbian donors, and it sort of struck me. Um, and I sort of also saw the power of donating. It just, you know, as, as a woman, as a crew, I just, you know, my whole life I wanted to work in social good or politics or something that I, you know, I enjoyed every day and that had some uh, deeper meaning. Mm-hmm. Um, but then you sort of go and you work in a space and you realize that, you know, what we actually need is, is more money and that we have a lot of talented people who work in the space, but to, it, it, you need money to scale and you need, you need money to have real impact. And that um, there's actually probably... Nothing, uh, there's no amount of time as a volunteer that can ever uh, compare to like a $10,000 donation that will always be more meaningful. And that's, that was a really, you know, hard lesson and a powerful lesson to learn. Um, And then also, you know, sort of watching women donors and how they think about giving and and the different process that we'd have to go through to get a a female donor versus a male. Um, And there's, you know, there's a lot of cultural things, right? Women make less than men. You put two women together in a couple versus two men. And I mean, that's a huge economic gap. I mean, that's actually the thing I say to allies. They're just like, you know, can you explain like why lesbians attack? Like why not just women who attack? And, you know, there's a lot of things I say to them, but sort of say like, when you think about that, that economic gap between uh, queer women and, and queer men, like that's a big gap. Um, and it just means our, our experience is different. Um, and especially when you talk about tech, I mean, it's, you know, women in Silicon Valley right, right now make 49 cents to the man's dollar. Yeah. Right. So these are, these are big, big differences, um, you know, uh, and different experiences. And so that was really when I realized, um, okay, like it would take me about 10 years um, probably two, three pay cuts, and then I'd be making about the same, and then two, three promotions before I was going to be making six figures mm-hmm. if I wanted to stay in the nonprofit sector. And so that's when I kind of made the decision to switch um, over to. I tried to actually uh, go corporate, but I, it was very clear that my experience was so nonprofit that it just it wasn't going to translate, yeah. and I wasn't willing to go take that many steps back. Um, and so I ended up starting my own business. Yeah. Um, but, and that's really part of why I started Lesbians Who Tech was that it was around that economic empowerment. And, you know, hopefully, you know, women will um, be making more money and also have the ability to donate and give back and connect through philanthropy. And just to touch on that economic gap, you know, one of our members, our allies in the Queer Clouders and Allies group at SoundCloud, Christina, she had this question and made me think about it. I wanted to just get your view. Yeah. You know, what are your thoughts on recent articles discussing gender pay discrepancies and what can we do about it? You know, there definitely is that economic gap, and mm-hmm. it's something that it seems like there's articles left and right that just talk about it. And yeah. Yeah, I mean, I spent a lot of time thinking about this, um, you know, and we, we obviously still need more data. I mean, you know, you say these stats, and I think it's funny that one of the first things people are like, oh, what did they say, like, whether or not they worked in marketing or HR, right? Were these actual, like, programmers? Did we, like, you know, did we get data from, like, male versus women programmers? Like, are we really comparing apples to apples? And, Mm -hmm. you know, I tell them, I was like, does it matter? You know, and not to mention, you know, not to go, like, super heady, but, you know, why is it that marketing people make less than programmers? I mean, there's obviously supply and demand, but, you know, when we think about HR, hiring is by far the most important thing of any growing company. I mean, Mm -hmm. that is one of the biggest lessons I've learned in the entrepreneurship side, 
finding the right team. And we all know this, right? Mm-hmm. We don't want to work in a company. We don't like the team. Yeah. Um, and a team and a company isn't going to be successful if they can't find the right people to help it grow. Mm-hmm. Um, one person cannot um, create a super successful, successful company. Um, yet why is there, you know, HR is, you know, there's a lot of women in HR and yet those are the positions that are, there's no HR people on boards. So there's very few HR representatives on boards. Why isn't that, you know, there's mm-hmm. so many women, um, obviously mar- I think marketing is one of the most important things in growing a company. Um, yet we don't sort of see as much of that, um, and sort of in the board representation on, on corporate side, which is interesting. So it's like how, how, how we value jobs is probably even very gendered, right? Mm-hmm. Women are prone to certain careers, and that means the careers that you know men are prone to sort of take also are valued higher. Yep. Um, on top of it, you know, women sort of when you start out not negotiating for a certain type of salary, that, that trajectory when you first start out in your career really stays with you your whole career unless you can really overcome that, yeah. um, you know, and – if you start out at 35 and um, your male counterpart negotiated for 42, that will end up being a huge, huge gap by your time you're in a senior position. And the biggest, you know, we all know this. What's the what's the question you get asked when you're negotiating? Well, what did you make in your last job? Mm-hmm. Right? That's so important, and that's that's one area I think women can get, you know, sort of work in. But, um, you know, the, all the conversations about lean in and, and all those things, it's, you know, and maybe, you know, it's, it's what, you know, so many conversations I hear where women are like, well, I don't want to lean in. I don't want to compete. Like I want to change the whole conversation. Why does it have, why, why do I have to be more, you know, typical male as far as like gender spectrum and like mm-hmm. how I operate to be success, successful. That's not fair either. Yep. You know, and I think we have to do both. Right. I mean, we do need, um, you know, we need women to be present and working if they want to their whole time, like really focused. And, um, we also need to sort of work on the more institutional problems, you know, paid leave, Paternity pay leave for men and women. I mean, all of that stuff, right? It's crazy that we're one of the countries that doesn't have, like, you know, a policy for that. It's just, it's insane. Um, so I think we have to do both sides of it. But, you know, I think more than anything, I get frustrated with the lean-in conversations because it's just, you know, I see us go negative more than positive. You know, I think that um, you can always learn and do more. And even if it's not for you, it's okay. But mm-hmm. um, women are so quick to critique other women. Um, instead of lift them up. Um, I think so many, so many men, if there was like a lean in version for men, they would, if they didn't like it, they just wouldn't spend any time thinking about it. Right. They just would be like, it never would even cross their head. It like, again, um, you know, I know from my own business, a lot of my referrals have been from men, even when I've had women work at that same company, just fine. And I think there's a lot of reasons for that. Um, you know, women overthink it or we're sort of like focused on, fairness, right? Well, I don't want to like pick you just because we're friends. Like mm-hmm. I want it to be a fair process sure. yeah. where by the time you, we've thought about all the things we're thinking about the, the man's sort of like, well, I know Leanne, she's great. And that saves us time and money because Leanne, we know Leanne could, will do a better job than like the 10 strangers I don't know. Yeah. Cause I've already worked with her. Mm-hmm. Um, the truth is a lot of stuff with hiring is, you know, based on past experience, but we don't know if someone's going to be successful or not. Um, it depends. And I've thought about this a lot though. I mean, there are definitely, like, certain um, job roles that are, like, more relegated to women, and, like, HR is definitely one of them. But if a lot of women are recruiters, I mean, why aren't they recruiting other women? I mean, like, why is there still such a stark imbalance? Why is there still such a, a stark lack of diversity? I mean, I don't know. Totally. Well, we – just because recruiters are women doesn't mean that we don't have these biases. Yeah, you know? it's true. I mean, that's what's true. crazy about it. It's still – God, there was some study. I can't remember exactly what it said, but it was really disturbing. I mean, basically – these were um, tech, uh, like IT or uh, computer science teachers, and they 
went in and did a study where, where they sort of, you know, said like there are biases, like they like warned them of the biases and then they did the study anyways. And this, and the teacher still picked, um, you know, young men to go as like rank, they ranked them higher to go into these computer science careers, even though themselves were aware of the biases are, are teachers yeah. teaching young children and still favored the men to go into computer science because we're all, we all see images and like images are so powerful and we know more people that are in these careers. I mean, it, even, you know, not just gender lines. I mean, my dad was a teacher. All of my parents' friends were teachers. Like, they all thought I was going to be a teacher, yep. right? I mean, we sort of, it's it's very, um, you know, network-based. It's it's whatever, you know, sort of experiences were, um, you know, exposed to early on. Like, those all impact us. And, I mean, it's just there, we've never had a female president. Like, do we? We have no idea what that would look like, yeah. and that matters, um, and it matters for young people. I mean, I was one of those. Um, did you ever see the film Misrepresentation? Yep. It was really, it was a great film. Um, did a couple of screenings of it, and and one of the, like I was that young girl who was like, "What do you want to be when you grow up?" And I was like, "President," you know. And then you get older, and then you're sort of like, "Well, I don't, I don't know. Maybe I'll be a lawyer." Yeah. You know, and you sort of like start thinking differently when yeah. you get older. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, I mean, that's something sort of, you know, bottom down and, and top down. I think we have to do both, right? We have to increase the pipeline. We have to get, you know, groups like Black Girls Who Code and, and Girls Who Code. I mean, they're doing amazing things to mm-hmm. sort of help get computer science and technology stuff early. And we need like 100 more of those groups. Um, and then we also need, you know, people like Megan Smith to be CTO for Obama. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Can you share some of the international progress that you've made with Lesbian Food Tech? Yes, definitely. So the international stuff has been interesting. I mean, the most interesting thing is how similar the experiences are across countries, I guess. Mm -hmm. You know, when you talk about gender stuff, I mean, even I've spent the last three summers in Berlin, um, you know, like a month at a time, a couple weeks at a time. It's it's a lovely, magical place. Um, if you ever like want to write a book or do anything creative, I mean, they just have such a supportive community there. Mm-hmm. Um, big fan of Berlin, um, and so I just—I've been living there, so I have—I have lesbian tech events when I go there, and it's surprising to me to like find out how many queer women live there and, and are doing technology-related things. So that's fun. Um, but also, you know, when I talk to them, it's sort of you know, there's a huge gender situation in, in Germany, you know, mm-hmm. throughout the country, and so learning about you know, some of the things that Jeremy's working on to sort of help that imbalance. I mean, in a lot, it's so different. I mean, just, you know, even like, um, you know, just cultural differences and how people work and think and, and Berlin, it's like, it's like, people are like, well, I've been to Munich. Like, it's not the same as going to Berlin. It's like its own country almost because it has such a unique history and, um, very creative people have been attracted, you know, to that place specifically for so long, artistic people. Um, so it's really created this whole other universe, um, places like London, you know, they, we had, uh, our first event there sold out and we had like 150, 120 people, um, packed room. Um, and it was our first event. And some of the other, it was a um, LGBT related group that reached out to me and was like, I'm in this group and we don't have very many women. I see you're doing great with women. Like, can we partner together? And we did, but you know, she's on this LGBT related tech group and, um, you know, it was started by like 12 guys. Um, and that's sort of what you see a lot in the LGBT community, that a lot of the communities are started by men. And when that kind of back to Kate Kendall, right, when the leadership infrastructure is um, so much on the male side, 
you know, it's really hard at that point to overcome the male to female ratio. Mm-hmm. It's really important. If you want to reach 50, 50, um, as far as gender is concerned, you really have to start, start with, um, a strong female leadership, if not, um, 50%, I would say more than 50%, but at least minimally 50% female leadership. If you don't, you will be fighting a bu- uphill battle forever. Um, I've never seen a group recover from that sort of foundational start, you know, and same with people of color, um, you know, women and people of color are looking to see themselves in your leadership. And if they don't, they make strong assumptions about um, it not being the right community for them. And I think that's something we have to remember, you know, often when we're starting things. But, um, you know, the gender stuff, so it was interesting that some of the, you know, LGBT-related stuff that's happened between men and women in the community were also happening there. They weren't finding any women's spaces. You know, there's no places to meet professional queer women. Um, And there's also some real cool stuff going on from a tech perspective. Um, So I'm really actually hoping to get more of an international presence. It is interesting, too, in the, you know, how comfortable people are. One of our, you know, our... Um, goals is more people to be out, right? And so, and that does mean being out online, which is different than being just out in your friend circle. So, you know, it's it's one of the things. Um, all of our events, when you register, your your name's out there for the Google sphere. So, um, a lot of people don't realize that when they they sign up quickly. Um, so, um, it's been a shock to me how many people are not okay with that. I mean, I sort of um, I knew it would be a problem for some, but um, we get you know probably five to ten requests a week about people wanting their name off the site. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, to which I say, you know, obviously we will do it for people. And there's, there's obviously different concerns, right, sure. if you live in different countries. Um, but different cities, even like Madrid, or, you know, they want to interact with us, but they're like, can we change the name to, like, LWT, where we don't say lesbian or, mm-hmm. you know. So that's been interesting, too. Um, it, it, might not, might have, it might not have been Madrid, actually, but somewhere in Spain, you know, so they were sort of interested, but... I think for some um, queer people that, you know, different sensitivities abroad are obviously different and unique and challenging. I actually hope to have a summit in, in Europe hopefully in the next year or two. That's right. tricky, though, because then you have to negotiate um, safety with, like, whether or not you feel like you're hiding or, you know, like, feeling closeted. I mean, yeah, like, how you balance those two. Totally. And I, you know, I want everyone to feel safe. You know, it's sort of, for me, it's like more of a admin thing. I mean, I'm a team of, of one, (laughs) um, running this organization and we desperately need to scale. So that's something I'll be working on. But, you know, as far as, you know, 10 customer service requests every week is like, I just can't take those on. Um, and I don't want to, you know, Eventbrite is like an all or nothing thing. So if Eventbrite, you want to work this out, I would be super happy about this, but Mm -hmm. either you can show all people online or you can show no one online. There's not an option for people to kind of self-select. And I think it's really important just even regardless of of being out and all those things, I, I think, you know, part of events and like, um, you know, is sort of seeing who's coming and I think it's fun and people want to see that. And I think it's important for all events period to have that list. Um, just cause I think it's a cool thing. Um, and on top of that, I think it's, it's really important to have that. And it, you know, just because you're on it doesn't necessarily mean you're gay. I mean, that's the other thing I sort of have in my bullet plate language back to people is, you know, we're for allies or for everyone. It doesn't necessarily mean you're gay, but I totally understand when you're dealing with other countries, you're just, you're, you know, super concerned about it for safety reasons. And, um, the other part of that is the sort of, you know, so like photos, right. We had, we definitely, we had signs everywhere saying you're going to be photoed, you're going to be video if you step into the space, like most events do, um, but we had like one woman, you know, ask a question. We had very few questions, like the ability for Q and A, and the one woman who asked uh, doesn't want to be in any photos. And I was like, 
CLL, you know, it's like there's, there's, there's signs everywhere <laughs> and we have, you know, we need these for marketing and sure. for our materials and our mission is like to get more people to be out and, you know, I totally hear that you don't want to be out, but you know, at the same time you have to be respectful. You can't then step into the step and repeat, right? Like mm-hmm. you need to yeah. make decisions and I know peer pressure is hard, right? You don't want to be that person. Like I can't be in the photo. Um, but I think it's one of those scenes you have to be, you know, really walk the fine line of, of doing. And we obviously you know, want to be respectful of people's privacy, but you know, our whole mission is, is to be out and have more people be out. And part of that is online and, and photos and all of those things. You know, just as, as we come to the close with the um, episode, I wanted to just ask, um, you know, if, if to our listeners out there, um, especially with everything that you've done within the community, this has just been an amazing talk just to get to hear what you've done and who inspires you and what your plan is moving forward. You know, to our young listeners out there, people that are just getting into tech or people that are you know, just discovering them, their place in the community, we all know that that could be kind of that weird space to find yourself in with a world that's moving so fast. You know, what advice could you give? And, and with this event um, with Lesbians Who Tech, you know, if people wanted to find more information on it, because I know that you have a summit coming up that you're planning on for next year, um, which is going to be bigger and better, you know, than the first, Um, you know, share with us some, you know, um, advice and, you know, where they can find more info about you, Lesbians Who Tech, and any other outlet you feel would be helpful. Yeah, so Lesbians Who Tech, it's lesbianswhotech.org, or you can Google my name, I'm on Twitter, it's Lee Pitts, L-E-P-I-T-T-S, and always online somewhere. So I'm sure you can find my email too. I'm totally pretty good about email these days. <laughs> Not as good as you are, so sure, but you know, aspiring, um, losing, like I said, losing inbox zero right now. Um, but you know, there are a couple things. I mean, something that's been super powerful for me that for me that I talked about at, at Lesbians Attack this year is, is, is risk taking, you know, I think kind of similar to a lot of the gender equality conversations. I mean, I definitely feel, you know, much more connected in tech and my, and around my job. And even when I look at politics and no female president, I mean, very much more connected to the gender, um, equality fight. Um, you know, so much work that we have to do around that. And I think, you know, one of the things that I could, I see sort of from an individual's perspective is just taking more risks and almost, you know, see so many women are like, I got to go back to school or I got to do this thing. You know, I want to tweet, but I, I need a lesson first. And, it's like, just start doing it, you know, just, just start, start somewhere, which is also the name of my old company, but I say that a lot. It's just start somewhere, you know, just pick a place. Even if it's the wrong thing that you're doing, you will learn where you should go next mm. and you won't learn where to go next unless you just start doing it. Um, you know, someone told me once, you know, we always sort of say like, I wish it was, you know, I wish I would have bought a house 10 years ago, or I wish I would have done this or, you know, but if you start something today, think about how far you'll be a year from now. You know, I think that's a really powerful thought, sort of envision, okay, we always sort of feel overwhelmed by whatever we want to do, a new job, a new company, a new relationship, a move to a new city, um, all of these things. Um, but imagine where you could be in a year from now. It's a long time. And sometimes we get, we get paralyzed by the, the idea of like, ah, oh, like I wish I would have started sooner. I have so you know far to go. It's like, just take that one step and, and you'll learn so much. And some of the biggest mistakes I've, I've made, um, you know, have been so crucial to where I've ended up. I never would have known it at the time, um, but they've been so important as part of the process and the journey. And I think we get so focused on, you know, what we can lose and, and we forget to think about what we could gain. Yeah. Um, yeah. The other thing is, is just showing up, you know, I mean, I've really from several friends and just, you know, in my life, I feel like we're all really busy, but if we could show up, it doesn't always have to be in person, but, you know, show up for yourself, show up for other people. 
Um, you know, if you care about diversity, um, go to other communities. A lot of times, you know, I speak to gay men and they're like, I don't want to infringe on the space. It's like, we need you to show up for us. You know, we go to so many gay events, LGBT related events, and it's 80% men. Mm -hmm. You know, would you, would your friends go to an LGBT event that was 80% women? I, I sort of, I try to get them to think about it. And it's like, just show up for us. You know, I think, um, and it goes across the board when you're talking about any type of community, um, especially around diversity. You know, I think it's important to show up. I mean, I was noticing our, our events in, in San Francisco were, you know, more white um, than our East Coast events. And so I really try to go spend time in other communities and, and really recruit. I mean, I think the thing around diversity and recruitment is that you can't just like put a, you know, we want diversity. You have to go out and recruit it. I mean, same with good, talented people. Um, you have to find them. You have to you have to build relationships with them. It does not happen overnight. There is no quick fix to this. This is a long journey, but it will be worth it, and it's it's worth the time, and it's it's you know it's worth the energy you put into it. But it's it's a process, and you need to be patient with it. But I think just showing up more in life, and and stop focusing on being so busy or being so overwhelmed, and just sort of you know take it one day at a time. Thank you so much. Yeah, I think that a lot of our listeners within SoundCloud. Um, just because we cover like four offices around mm -hmm. the world and, and listeners outside of SoundCloud really just with what you've just shared, just the last brothers podcast episode, it, you know, there's, yeah, it's showing up. It's, mm -hmm. it's being an ally to each other, regardless if you're part of the queer community or not, whether you're a man or a female, you know, I mean, it's, it's just showing up and really just being an ally to each other because, you know, we've made so much progress but there's so much more, like you mm -hmm. said, ahead of us. And yeah. we can only really be successful with each other, you know, recognizing that there's that work ahead of us. So thank you so much. And the Lesbians Who Tech Summit is next February 2015. What, you can say the dates again. February 26th, 27th, over that weekend too, March 1st and 2nd. And you can buy tickets through Eventbrite. And uh, thank you, Leanne, for being here. Thank you. This is so much fun. So much, I love Leanne. the bowl. <laughs> <laughs> I want to read all the other questions. <laughs> hey, Clem, what an awesome guest Leanne was for our show. She was amazing. Yeah, I mean, just some of the things that she shared with us and her involvement with the community and, you know, with both of us, you know, being in the field of technology, it's just kind of cool just to hear someone really passionate about um, making a movement with, you know, just the queer community and, and just everything she's involved with. I, mean, I think that was so awesome for her to um, take some time out to talk with us. Definitely, definitely. Well, Queer Clouders and Allies, it's that time where we just have to say bye-bye for now. Um, Clem and I have a great time doing these podcasts for you. So thank you for staying tuned in. Um, stay up to date with our next podcast in October because I think we're going to have some special guests roll on. And um, we look forward to speaking with you guys again. And we're out. Bye. Bye.